Welcome to Christian Curious with Dr. Haley Gray Scott. On this show, we address the challenges faced in today's church and culture in a postmodern, post-Christian era. Dr. Haley believes that in addressing those issues, the church must have a missional mindset. Christianity does have the answers of today's culture. Let's join Dr. Haley for today's conversation. Welcome to Christian Curious with Dr. Haley Gray Scott and co-host Hannah Greaser, a show where we explore some of the most pressing questions concerning the Christian faith in today's world. Today, we're looking at the future of seminary education and where people go to learn about God. Um, there's been some trends noted, Hannah, and I just read a recent, it wasn't a recent article, it was written in 2017 um, mm. from the Associate association of theological schools that full-time enrollment has a downward trajectory um older seminarians versus younger seminarians so more older people are going versus younger people are going which if you think about the 2008 uh economic recession and all the young adults saddled with so much debt it makes sense that they might not be seeking you know additional debt loads right like older people going to seminary maybe as a just a second degree or just because they're interested and can pay for it. Yeah. And also there's a lot more people of color too. Oh, that's good. (laughs) And I noticed, um, I noticed that as a professor, I was a professor for 13 years and, um, which is not a a huge long period of time to be a professor, but, um, in the beginning I did have primarily Caucasians. And then at the end I was teaching primarily older people of color. Hmm. And it was just, I saw that natural progression in my own, you know, career in academia, and then more people are going to online because it's more accessible and it's easier to, I guess, to mm-hmm. to fit into your already busy lifestyle. Right, and I'm sure that shot up after the pandemic as well. Oh yeah, for sure, because people got used to it. Mm-hmm. But um, today with us uh, to talk about the trends in seminary education is Evan Morgan. Evan is the founder and president of Our Daily Bread University. He also served for 12 years as a senior vice president of global ministry efforts for Our Daily Bread Ministries. In this position, he was responsible to oversee the development of Our Daily Bread's global teaching content and resources. Evan is married to Elisa, and they have two grown children and two grandchildren who live near them in Denver, Colorado. Evan, welcome to the show. Thank you. Good to be with you. Yes, we're excited to have you. Um, you know, so I recently have been taking some classes on Our Daily Bread University, some church history and some theology, and it's been just super beneficial and good for my schedule. And for the listeners who don't know what Our Daily Bread Ministries is and what Our Daily Bread University is, can you kind of give them a rundown of um, what y'all do? Sure. A lot of people may know Our Daily Bread um devotionals uh, many times if you're in the your church you'll see on the back table on Narthex uh, our devotionals or many people uh, pick those up it's a daily 250 word uh, reading that's uh, been done for many many years over 60 million of those in multiple languages going around the globe and from that there's uh, a number of other ministries that our daily bread has uh, daily podcasts they have uh, uh, what were radio programs uh, called Discover the Word and a number of other ministries, one of which is our Daily Bread uh, University. And we've been around, uh, uh, integrated with our Daily Bread since about 2002. And so it's just one of the efforts, one of the ministry efforts of our ministry that uh, 
was founded a long time ago. I feel like an ancient person in e-learning. <laughs> uh, we're just uh, thrilled to uh, offer our courses, over 200 now, around the globe. That's great. So what compelled you to start our Daily Bread University? What's kind of that origin story? Yeah, that's a, that's a long, uh, detailed, and God story, that's for sure. I, um, I was a vice president of business, actually, at Denver Seminary years ago, and I was, like most schools, there's always a shortage of funds. And I was uh, looking into, technology was emerging then, of course, this was in the 90s, uh, late 80s, early 90s. Uh, internet wasn't really used yet. People were starting to work use CD-ROM a bit. And I was just curious how we might use technology to reduce the cost of education. And so I started doing some research. We had, uh, in a period of about three years, several faculty that were retiring. And what thought, I just started researching to see if there was a way to capture some of their content and others that could be delivered in the classroom through technology. And we could perhaps reduce some of the cost by reducing some of our in-print uh, need for faculty. Now, that's not exactly a popular thing. Right. <laughs> just kind of exploratory at that time. Because uh, my concern then was not only that that was a, the issue in terms of finances, but also the cost of education. I had students, I was in charge of their student loans, and I had students coming in, many of them global students coming in internationally that would be in the U.S. for five to seven years completing their education. By the time they finished, they were in debt. Their kids had grown up in the U.S., had become westernized. And their ability and desire many times to return back to the locale they came from was diminished. And then also others that were just uh, uh, students from the U.S. that would be accumulating $30,000, $40,000 student debt. And at that time, many of them were going to work at fifteen dollars to $17,000 a year. And it just, I can see this, this system, in many, for many, is just not, not affordable. And so, not that it's not important, um, totally a strong believer in, in formal theological education, but for those that can't afford it, um, I just started researching this. And so it's a long uh, generation of uh, steps after that. I, I tried to start a nonprofit and um, couldn't get funding because it was such a new concept. So I started a business and got some funding and it went very well with some CD-ROM products that I did with uh, Philip Yancey, a guided tour of the Bible, one of the first kind of interactive uh, multimedia tours of the Bible, and it grew from there, and then uh, in 2002, we merged in with um, Our Daily Bread and uh, have been growing the ministry ever since. Yeah, I remember, Evan, um, you know, I know you through Elisa, of course, who is a, you know, a, a friend and colleague of mine, and, you know, I remember you working on, you know, for this university and working and establishing this um, years ago, and really you were one of the front runners of trying to adapt theological education to being online and and accessible for people and so is there you know can you tell us a little bit about what our daily bread university offers as far as courses go yes you're right it was many ways not just the leading edge but the bleeding edge it was such an <laughs> it was uh it was uh very uh, concerning for many of whether we were trying to compete with formal education. I often say we we envision coming alongside and, 
and complementing, not competing, to formal accredited theological education. So we began uh, just securing some of the top communicators in, in any of the academic disciplines and capturing their their uh, content in, in video format, adding graphics to it, testing, and so forth, so that we'd have a full online uh, course. And, and it would be, we're, we're primarily present, uh, presenting cognitive content. In other words, we're saying you need to know certain facts and studies of the Bible, and then ideally you're then doing that in cohort with either your local church or others, or obviously it, with a, a, a seminary or a Christian university or so forth. So our, our catalog now is pretty broad. It's, um, again, as I mentioned, it's about 200 courses that we've developed over the years, and it's your traditional subjects such as theology, Old New Testament, church history, apologetics, um, and so forth. Um, and so we've we just gradually built this. We, we do alliances with certain schools, and then we offer certification for certain groups. One of the larger ones is the Association of Christian Schools International. We have about 70,000 teachers that need to have uh, continuing education, and so we we certify that, but the, the key part is that we keep the cost way down. In fact, uh, many of our courses are free. Some of our most co popular courses, there's no charge at all, and we charge less than $10 a month or as low as $8 a month for the 200 courses if you're looking, people are looking for certification. That is a, a certificate of completion. Right. So that, we, we just developed a number of subjects, and, um, and we're really excited about the quality of the professors that we have. Yeah, that it's it's so much um, more financially accessible than traditional seminary education. <laughs> Less than Netflix. <laughs> I'm just I'm just thinking about how much money I spent in my master's and my PhD yeah. program, and um, they they are paid for by the way. But my I'm still paying off my BA, so uh, I'm still paying off my bachelor's degree. But so my master's and PhD are paid for. Oh, so yeah. I had it worked out. I was a librarian, and I paid off. Okay. Yeah, I could study while I did my... Right, but you worked like crazy just to make it happen, right? I did, yeah. I sinfully worked like crazy to pay for my education. Um, Evan, I have a controversial question for you <laughs> um, that I want your opinion on. And I have some thoughts about it myself, but if you were to think about... I mean, because you... You saw online education coming, you know, like you said, in the 1990s. And so we're, we're standing now with, you know, young adults graduated into an economy that really hasn't recovered since from the 2008 recession. I mean, it has for some uh, people in some generations, but there are a lot of people out there that are still in the gig, gig economy, putting together several jobs. Uh, just to make things work and to pay for health care that are not provided for their by their jobs. And, you know, so with the trend of older seminarians versus younger people not going to going to seminary, um, if you were make to make a prediction about where seminary education is headed, what would you what would you say? Oh boy, you know that. <laughs> I wish I was Isaiah the prophet. I don't know. <laughs> I can make some stabs at this. I've I've wondered, um, and I've wondered this for a long time. You see the trend with, especially in IT positions, where, and even at our own ministry, we have a huge staff of of uh, people that are computer specialists. 
we're not as concerned about their formal accredited degree as we are that they're certified, they know what they're doing. That's pretty much the trend in the, in the, the technical world today. How will that impact um, theological education? Um, I'm just not sure of that for the future. I do know this. All the research shows um, that the most, the, the best education is where you can get the cognitive information, be able to take it at your leisure, to be able to, to uh, review it at, at your leisure, um, but to combine that then with some, someone coming alongside you, some sort of cohort, some, some uh, uh, mentoring uh, possibility. I could see that down the road there may be those churches, ministries, nonprofits, and others that would say, look, if you know your material, if it can be demonstrated that you've passed, that you've done your assessments, that you've been mentored, other things, that that may be something that over time um, would, for certain degrees, certain disciplines, would be sufficient for certain nonprofits. Now, that said, again, I do recognize and know, and as you said, my wife, Lisa, uh, she's on the board at Denver Seminary. We believe strongly in formal accredited education. And I think that there's a real strong place for that for those who can afford it in the right setting. But there is a myth, I think, with the, the formal classroom, and, and I, I saw this myself, is that I was coming out of a business degree coming to seminary, and I was sitting with kids that had gone to Christian under, undergraduate schools, Wheaton and others, and I was kind of lost, and they were right up with it. And I was too embarrassed to raise my hand. So I largely, in my education, was just taking in the content, sitting and listening to the lecture and taking notes and then trying to go research it on my own. So for me, having had, if we had it in that day, long time ago, <laughs> the option of an internet, uh, either supplement or complement, that would have helped me a lot. So I don't know the answer to your question. That's a long answer to a short question, but I... I could see that there may be trends toward what we're seeing eventually with uh, technical degrees. Right. You know, I mean, some of the most, you know, I think that mentoring aspect is super important. And, you know, what, you know, I think seminary edu- seminaries and Christian colleges have been forced to do is bring on more um, adjunct or affiliated faculty. And that can diminish the quality of the of the education not because of the qualifications or lack of qualifications of the adjunct or the affiliate faculty but because they are not as um, invested into the institution because the institution hasn't properly invested into them and you know I know that from my seminary education just being able to sit in front of of mentors and professors who absolutely knew the word and had those experiences with them outside the classroom was so invaluable and yet it's it's very hard to do right now i mean the pragmatics just are not working as effectively as as they as they used to yeah i wonder so with the myth of the formal classroom is that is that myth that it works for everybody or how would you define that myth because i think that's a cool statement well i think that that i think well there's a couple of parts to that one is that 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 the students sitting in the classroom are being mentored on a personal basis by the professor that you go to have this interaction with the professor to sit around and have coffee with them and other things i think that happens with some 
but again for me and i i charge on this to me it was it was my own reticence because of my own lack of training i had a pretty good sunday school training i felt like i knew some stuff but but i just i didn't seek that out i i was i was too far behind where everybody else was so i think that that's one of the myths and the other is that every that every person everybody's the same they all can financially handle it they can family issues are the same they can make it and there just has to be a model for people that just practically that doesn't work and that's why i call what we do a complement versus a competition to the formal classroom i could envision that there will still be you know 20 years from now 30 years from now some key well-known seminaries that that's where you go there may be difficulty for some of the smaller struggling seminaries to make it in this environment and that's I think it was a God thing when God led me into this because I had no technical background. And my basic question was to bring academic experts together and bring the technical people together. And I sat in the middle and knew enough to be dangerous on both and just got them talking to each other <laughs> to capture it. So that, that's really what's needed. Now, I do see this one quick model. We have seen some schools that would say, look, in order to keep the cost of education down, take your content select content that they choose from us uh, we then assess they, we do all the assessment customer service there's no cost to them they pass at 70 percent and so forth once those certificates of completion are done then the school adds on some sort of almost a doctorate ministry model either on site or online and you come on for a week or two and there you are having a cohort of a one-to-one with a professor actually asking questions and other things now the cost of that is relatively small and so for the school and so that's one way that i think the cost of education could come down and still blend accredited education with what we offer with non-accredited education Mm -hmm. that makes sense and so it makes sense also that you're you know a complement not a competition and i'm curious about if somebody's kind of making that decision do i go to seminary do i not um you know, maybe they're thinking that a model like our Daily Bread University is more accessible and serves their needs. I guess, how would you, what advice would you give for kind of going through that discernment process of um, seminary or maybe a different vehicle? You know, I think some of that depends on what the ultimate, well, several variables. One is your, your family situation, your financial situation. Can you uproot and go to the school? Are you but many schools have very good online master's and div programs and so forth. So I think what's your ultimate goal with that? Financial is obviously going to be a big part of that. Can I actually afford it? But also, what's, what is the ministry endeavor that you want to go into? Uh, just to give you an example, this morning, just an hour ago, I was on the phone with uh, our office in, in Grand Rapids with the person who runs the office here for me. And we just were approached from, I, I can't say the name of the of the nonprofit, but yet because we're just still signing it, but they want to bring 2,000 uh, of their staff through about five of our courses over a couple of months, two to three months. And so we're working out the details. These are people that are not going to be in formal, in, in uh, pastoral ministry, but they are in nonprofit ministry and they're ministering to kids and other things. So, you know, that, so the goal there is they're saying for their staff, they've looked at all our material, they say, we can't afford or, or, or it's not our purpose to send them off to seminary for two or three years. We need them now. But we also know they're not trained. Some of them don't know Genesis from Revelation. Mm-hmm. So 
we're we're getting them in at what we call our basic series, which is eight courses. And that that series, um, we feel we spent a long time developing that in consultation with Dr. Sid Buzzle, whose expertise was uh, was instructional design and andragogy pedagogy. That if people take those eight courses, especially pastors in the global south overseas, that they would be equipped to run a church. We're only research we hear is in the global south overseas in the developing world only five percent of the people leading churches or pastors have any training so that applies to that setting you know those types of people but also somebody that's running a, a staff person dealing with kids here in the u.s or around the globe so i would say that the difference is what's your what is your goal what's your financial situation what's your home situation that's all going to be some of the variables you have to look at in that decision you know evan some of the um things that you're saying really echo back to the research that we've been doing uh, with the young adult initiative at denver seminary um we've seen a a large desire in unchurched young adults to to get a more solid theological education to learn more about, um, say, church history. I always joke, I know nothing about church history because the professor of that was my father-in-law and he refused to teach me. <laughs> so I did not get any church history in my um, in my seminary degree because of that. So that's a big gap in my training. But um, we've seen that among young adults and yet young adults, you know, they're just struggling to make it, especially, you know, in places like Denver, where they're trying to make ends meet. So they may be working multiple jobs. And I've seen Hannah struggle with this too, a desire to learn more about God, a desire to get a deeper theological education, but not having the luxury that I did at the time to just devote, you know, entire years of my life to studying. Right. I really appreciate what you said, Evan, because like I just took one semester one class of formal seminary training and I loved it um, but did that kind of process where I evaluated my career goals and what I wanted to go to seminary for and I realized I'm just a nerd like I want to learn about all this stuff and kind of build on my faith more and knowing you know maybe I don't have to pay to do that in my situation and maybe I'll go to grad school for something else later down the line but I, I do think what Haley said is true like a young a lot of young adults right now want to understand why they believe what they believe. And so having a resource like Our Daily Bread to do that um, for free to $8 or so a month is really valuable. Right. And providing the type of quality education that you do as well. I mean, you're getting, you know, content from, you know, incredible professors, you know, that are renowned in their fields that um, have a lot of wisdom and knowledge and passion about the subjects that that they're sharing. Um, I'm curious to see what what does the typical student look like coming into our daily bread. We shared a little bit at the top of the show about you know what type of people are going to traditional seminary, but I'd I'd like to know what what do you see happening you know in the in this final few minutes that we have of the typical student that's coming in right now with Our Daily Bread University? That's a good question because I think it's beginning to transition. Some of this gets impacted by the typical Our Daily Bread reader, which has traditionally been older. And a lot of people say, oh, yes, my grandmother loved reading that. But 
we have all sorts of initiatives going at the ministry for uh, younger people now. So we're starting to see a switch where it's starting to come down with some of our other ministries. And from that, then people then learn about our daily bridging diversity. So right now, we would be a little bit heavily female to male, but not too much, like 53 to 47. It's, pri- it's uh, primarily um, in the mid-40s to mid-50s right now. But as I say, with with some of these affiliate relationships that we have, like the Association of Christian Schools International, with Christian school teachers now using our courses for their students, and with the one I just mentioned today, which is uh, ministering to younger people, I see that demographic kind of changing over time, and especially now that we've gotten uh, things formalized with a new website. The website, odbu.org, just launched last week. This is uh, many, many, many years of development of content, but then uh, something that we think is pretty seamless for people to use. It's just brand new. So it's really something pretty exciting. And I, so I think some of it, this only time will tell to see how the demographics change. It's older right now, much like you were mentioning with the seminary, but I think we're going to gradually see it um, coming down. And also just in terms of the content, we're anxious to find partnerships with groups that want to offer their content online that can reach a younger generation. And so we've we partnered with a few organizations that provide the content for us. So we'll see how that develops in the, in the years ahead. Well, thank you so much for being with us, Evan. If, and if anyone out there is listening that's interested in uh, finding out more, where could they go to find to find you? Where are you online? Yes, it'd be ODBU, as in our Daily Bread University, ODBU.org. You'll find uh, the, the, the site there. So that's as simple as it gets. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us, Evan, to talk about uh, theological education. Thank you. It's great being with you. You've been listening to Christian Curious with Dr. Haley Gray Scott and Hannah Greaser. Uh, please be sure to check out our website at www.christiancurious.co. That's www.christiancurious.co with any questions or comments that you may have. And stay curious. Thank you for listening to Christian Curious. You can contact Dr. Haley at Haley, H-A-L-E-E, at ChristianCurious.co. That's H-A-L-E-E at ChristianCurious.co. Catch all the episodes on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also learn more at www.ChristianCurious.co.